I don't see him. I have my back. I'm doing the massage gun on my shoulder, about to get ready for the workout. And all I hear is, move. And I'm like, <laughs> like I drop the, the gun, like jump, and I turn around, and it's AD. And I'm like, I, like, I move, and I'm like, I guess I didn't move out the way enough. Because I, like, <laughs> I just turned around and like just started doing the gun on the other side. He said, move again. I, I ran out the weight room. I, I, I ran out the weight room. I act like I had to use the bathroom He's when I came. still running. Yeah. No, literally. I don't blame you, dude. That's how he got here. He just ran. <laughs> Toyota, the nice. the official motor motor vehicle sponsor of uh, of the NFL, and um, and I drive to Toyota. So does Kyle. Okay, I do. Thanks to Toyota and the brand new Toyota Tacoma, we had an amazing time at the NFL Media Center in Las Vegas from the most badass set in all of Radio Row. We even had the all new 2024 to Toyota Tacoma on our set. Uh, David Njoku loved it so much, he really did try to drive it off Radio Row. With its trail-dominating power, legendary capability, and captivating style, it caught everyone's eye. The all-new Toyota Tacoma dares you to come out and play. The all-new 2024 Toyota Tacoma is the most powerful Tacoma ever, Kyle. And it's time to make your off-roading dreams come true. The 2024 Toyota Tacoma, a truck that's tough on the trail and easy on the eyes, it sure is electrifying power maximum torque the all-new toyota tacoma is the most powerful tacoma ever all-new trail hunter grade is factory developed overlanding rig Ooh. built from the ground up with the latest integrated off-road equipment from arb old man emu emu and rigid i'm telling you old old man emu they do it, bro. I've, I've, seriously, I've got this stuff on my truck. Dad's got a 1976 Toyota that yeah. has an old man emu on it, and it rides like a dream. Like a dream. So I'm sure that the 2024 version is just even better. We also have a shout-out to Ted Karras, who won the Toyota Charity Challenge at Radio Row with his low score on the Toyota Challenge grid game and received a charity donation from Toyota. Much love, and thanks to Toyota Tacoma for again making the green light set the best at Radio Row. Toyota, the official automotive partner of the NFL. Welcome to the Green Light Podcast. Cowboy, take me away. A fun-filled episode for you today with a few more interviews from Radio Row in Las Vegas. We have Orlando Brown Jr., Puka Nakua, David Njoku, all from the Toyota set that we were at last week. They all come by, bring good vibes, have a blast. Puka tells an amazing Aaron Donald story. First time he met Aaron in the weight room. David Njoku tries to convince the Toyota folks to give him the Toyota Tacoma that was on set with us. And Orlando Brown talks to Chris and Howie about being a second-generation NFL player and what makes Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow so great. We have a blast with those guys, Chris, Bo, Nate, and Howie do a little intro into those. But before that, Chris gives a little update on what's happened since the Super Bowl. He gives his opinion on Coach Spag's Maybe getting another head coaching opportunity. Why haven't they come? Maybe they will in the future. And the rumors of sending Justin Fields to Pittsburgh. Is that going to be his next team? Are the Bears willing to make that trade? We talk about it. Y'all enjoy today's episode. We will see you Friday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Um, 
pretty atypical show today because the the interviews that you're going to hear came last week. As you can can tell, my voice is not back to 100%. So this this pod is about load management. Okay, it's been a long season. It's going to be a long off season. We got a lot of stuff coming your way. Been doing some of the planning. Pretty excited about it. More to come on all that. Just a reminder: this week you will have a Friday pod. Next week. It'll be Tuesday and Friday. Okay, so we'll be shifting to a two-pod structure. All right? I'm like spags. I can shift in and out of different structures, get you content in different ways. Um, So much needed break for the whole team going down to two pods coming up next week. But as promised, here's your Wednesday show. These are the interviews from last week at the Super Bowl. We have David Njoku from the Cleveland Browns. Um, this dude is eccentric. He was cool. He was athletic. He was climbing all over the Toyota pickup truck. He actually wanted to drive it off the lot. Puka Nakua spent over 10 minutes. He like came on the set. You know, you kind of like wait around to meet the guy, say what's up to him. And I'm, ex- I'm ex- excited to meet Puka, former Ram and all that. But more than anything, He's a beast. And, you know, like I'm waiting around to meet him and I'm like, where is this guy? He's been in the truck for 10, 15 minutes adjusting the mirrors, like just checking out all the features. The guy loved the Tacoma. That interview was incredible as well. Puka was maybe one of my favorite interviews I've done in the last calendar year. Look forward to getting him back. Did tell him I was going to get his Madden tag and beat him with the Rams. I was going to beat Puka with himself. We'll see how that goes. Orlando Brown. This big dude, man, I know I knew him from, you know, my brother playing with him and raving about the guy. So was really excited to run into him uh, at the media center. And like we didn't have him planned. He was like, yo, I'll come on. Let me come on. So, you know, dad was sitting around and I was like, this is perfect. I'll just have dad and myself interviewing Orlando. We'll talk, you know, line play technique and a little bit of what it's like to have a dad um, that you got to live up to in the NFL because Orlando has the same thing. You know, his father was a great player and um, he can certainly understand some of the challenges. You know, people always highlight how easy it is. I'm still waiting for it to be easy, uh, but the challenges uh, are many. And I, I think it was, it was cool to talk to him about just, you know, some of the pressures and that sort of thing, but more than anything, I love to nerd out on the line play stuff. So we've got all three levels here we have a big guy we've got a big skill as i would call david and joku and then we've got a skill guy and we've got all these these interviews from last week and we got somewhere to dump them so let's do it today okay i hope you guys enjoy that listen just doing some cleanup from the game i finally got a chance to sit down and watch the all 22 from the kansas city's defensive side of the ball like to go through and watch the Kansas City defense. Now, watching it in real time, watching it speeding through the replay Sunday night, that's never sufficient. You want to see the whole story. And boy, did this game tell a story. But one thing that's kind of surfaced on the defensive side of the ball for for the Kansas City Chiefs is this talk about should Steve Spagnuolo be a head coach at some point? Should he get a chance to go back and be a head coach? And I guess I'm pretty qualified to talk about that because he's been my head coach before. Now all the vacancies are are full. You know, seats taken everywhere here. All like eight or nine of the vacancies 
full this offseason. And he did not interview for any jobs, nor do I know if he turned any down. You know, I don't know anything. But I do know people are starting to talk about Spags is getting back into the head coaching ranks. And, you know, I look at it through the lens of, and of course, we're talking about a year out, two years out, whatever it is. I look at it through the lens of the fact that maybe he's the best coordinator in modern football history. Because if it's all about winning, he's won four of those things now. Like he might be the best assistant coach of all time based on that metric alone, especially considering the defenses uh, that he coached in the Super Bowls, respectively, allowed 10 points a game after halftime in those four Super Bowls. Now, the teams they beat, we're talking about two, 2007 Pats that they were averaging 37 points a game. They grounded that team. Randy Moss was on that team. They were undefeated. Like, insanity. I, I still can't believe watching that game, you know, in real time. 2019 Niners, uh, 30 points a game. He held them down. 2022 Eagles, 28 points a game. Now, the Eagles played pretty well offensively. They got them a little bit. But in the second half, it was harder. 2023 Niners, 29 points a game. And you saw what most of that game felt like. You know, I ended, ended up with 22 points in overtime and that sort of thing, but it was tough sledding for them. And I guess the question I have is, what does that say about our 2011 Rams team? <laughs> Damn, did we suck? Like the players? Because I think Spags could do this. I mean, I listen, is it going to happen? I don't know if it's likely. Okay, I'll lay out why, but he coached me and the St. Louis Rams from 2009, my second season, to my fourth season, 2009, 2010, 2011. We got him canned in 2011. We went like 2-14. and 14. I had a real good year. I was glad I did because I'm glad Spags at least had one lasting good impression on me. The last two years he had me, I think he liked me. I think the first year was like, uh, this guy's got some figuring shit out to do, and I don't like just handing the keys over to a top-five draft pick to play a ton. Um, but I learned a lot of valuable lessons. I was in, inside the NFL and they, they put me on the spot and they were like, this is two weeks ago doing a social thing. And they were like, Hey, one spags memory. And honestly, I'd love to give you more memories than this because there were a lot of memories. I look back fondly on when it comes to spags being my head coach, but my fondest memory when it comes to like evaluating my career, um, was him actually sitting me down that first training camp and saying, Hey, you know, we're going to, we're going to sit you down here for another player. You're going to rotate in, but you, I, I can't start you to start the season. I think somebody else earned it. And, um, in that situation, it was the message that I needed. I wasn't, I wasn't working less than I should. It's not that I didn't want it. It's not that I wasn't willing to play hard. It was, I wasn't working smart. And I think I needed to, I needed to learn how to be a pro. And I had some great vets who were doing that simultaneously, but Spags kind of, kind of, you know, walking up and hitting me, as he would call it, between the eyes <laughs> with this thing. I, I was really appreciative of that, especially in, rich, in retrospect. At the time, I was like, okay, I kind of getting the message. It was a message I felt like. And the message was received. The first half of that season, I was going through a lot, didn't, didn't play real well. And the second half of the season really came on for me. And then my career went. And so, 
you know, I don't know how much of that I owe to Spags, but he was that kind of guy. When you hear guys talk about him, great teacher, great communicator, uh, somebody that players like. Well, as a head coach in the beginning, he was a hard ass. Like, I think he came from that Tom Coughlin tree. And I don't think he got to bring a bunch of guys from that tree to help him implement his way of, of doing things. So, you know, you walk into that St. Louis situation and half the reason we're talking about this right now is Kevin Demoff of the Rams was on Twitter today. He's got a great account. If you want to follow somebody who's actually, you know, front office guy in the league right now, he's kind of tweeting freely, but he's talking about spags and he's saying he, he deserves a, another chance. And, you know, it's kind of interesting to think that, you know, one of the guys that, had to fire Spags in 2011 um, would have that to say. And I think, you know, it's been 13 years. It's been a long time. He's 64 years old. Um, those are some possible impediments to him coming back and coaching. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but I serve you up the topics as they come across my desk. And this was talked about today. We know he's not in contention for a job right now. There are no jobs. There could be jobs next year. One of which that could exist next year, a vacancy that could exist. And, you know, I'm not rooting for this to happen. I'm a big fan of Brian Dable. But, you know, if things don't go well in New York, like, is it a certain kind of job that would make Spags jump? To me, when I think about Spags, here's the second lasting impression of Spags. Spags used to sleep on his couch. You know, he'd sleep on not his couch at home. <laughs> he would sleep on the couch in the facility. Nobody worked harder than Spags, but maybe he was like me. He was trying to figure out how to work smart. And, you know, I think a lot of that, a lot of that happens, you know, your first go around as a head coach. And most guys don't get a second chance, but maybe he's a guy given worth giving a second chance. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm certainly not campaigning for it. There's no job for me to campaign for, for, for Spags, but I would echo the sentiments of like a Kevin Demoff that the, this guy knows how to coach. Obviously as a coordinator, he's been great. Very small sample size in the most inopportune of opportunities in St. Louis, if I could put it that way. You know, I always lament how hard it is as a player to walk into a situation like that. You can call me what you want the first two years of my career, but I dare you to find a lot of guys who are going to really excel in that situation as a rookie and a second-year player. The context of everything around them, the talent. You know, the, the, how serious the organization is about winning, how, how serious the organization felt about winning. Um, you know, we weren't playing with a lot of leads. We weren't in a lot of great situations. And we hadn't been doing a great job in the draft. And, you know, Spags comes in and it's an uphill climb. So it's been 13 years or whatever it is. I don't know how much I'd weigh that experience against him. You know, I know he had a lot of guys come in from New York. And I... If I had to read the tea leaves, Spags comes from like a Coughlin tree and, and he was doing a little too much Coughlin. I say that with love and respect. I'm a huge fan of Spags and being a head coach in the NFL is one of the hardest things I would imagine in the world. But you learn a great deal and sometimes guys get out of character a little bit and they're trying so hard to be a head coach or whatever it is. I think if Spags gets another shot, if he wanted another shot, with the wealth of knowledge he has, with the experience that he's been given, um, you know, rounding out his resume, working with Andy Reid, yeah, I feel like he'd have a better shot than he did the first time. And also, like, he'd probably have a better pick of the litter of the job. I don't think that was a wildly attractive job in 2009, whenever it was. Um, St. Louis Rams organizationally weren't like a beacon on the hill post 
greatest show on turf. It, they, they've it been kind of left to rot a little bit. So he couldn't rehab that, that house that was falling down in St. Louis. Maybe the next opportunity, if he gets another one, is, is one that's a little bit easier. And so, yeah, you do have the long layover. Not being a head coach, there are second chance guys that have been successful. You know, a lot of them, Belichick, Cleveland, New England. That's like a four-year break for him. Shanahan went from L.A. to Denver. Not a lot of people remember him in L.A. in 1989, but Denver 1995. Andy Reid, Philly to KC. That was seamless, right? Pete Carroll, he had that kind of circuitous route. Jets in 94, Pats in 99, college, Seattle in 2010, and then went. And then Coughlin, 2002 Jags, 2004 Giants. The one that comes to mind is Dick Vermeil because he was gone like 15 years. You know, and that's the thing that sticks out to me is like, if he hadn't jumped yet, and maybe this is kind of a shit or get off the pot moment for him, 64 years old, I think the next hiring cycle is when you'd see him do it. Because, you know, we've talked about this with, uh, with, with Lou Anarumo before. Defensive guys get the short end of the stick a lot, especially if they're older. And, you know, at 65, 66 years old, is it something he wants to do? Does he want to start over? Um, does he want to change situations? Holy shit. In Kansas City, I'm going to tell you what they're going to run it back with next year. Because Chris Jones doesn't have a, a, a no tag clause. They, they could tag him. You could pay Snead. McDuffie's all pro. You've got two lockdown corners. You have a, a fucking, you know, a monster in the middle. Um, you've got good linebackers. And, hey, you don't have to worry about the offense fucking it up royally. The offense did the equivalent of that this year, and they still played the best defense in the league, which is incredible. Speaks to his his brilliance and, and the greatness of the guys on that defense. So pretty interesting to think about Spags a year later. We might be talking about this when the next hiring cycle opens up. If they three-peat, you know, but there is something to be said for not sleeping on the couch every night. There is something to be said for being a part of something. The respect he gets in Kansas City, I mean, it's at an all-time high. You know, I, I ordered an InSpags We Trust shirt. The guy benched me in 2009. I love the guy, okay? If, if, if he gets a shot in a year, I say, go for it, young man. 65, he's pretty youthful for that age. Um, but it has been a long lay layover and, and there are concerns. Just an interesting thing coming across my, my desk. A couple things from the Super Bowl. As I said, I sat down and watched Spags' defense. You know, I saw Feliciano, the guard for the Niners, woke up and, and blamed Spencer Burford for, you know, the missed throw uh, in the end zone in overtime. And that wouldn't have ended the game because of the new overtime rules. But if, if, if he hits that shot and they've got the shot, it's a different ball game maybe, but maybe the Chiefs go for two and win it. But the, the bottom line is the San Francisco 49ers season ended on an ME. And I don't particularly like a guy waking up. I don't care how fucking moody or hungover you are. To throw a teammate under the bus on Twitter, is that the age we're living in now? Um, I know the guy fucked up. And, of course, you're supposed to know your shit. But are we going to go through your game tape with a fine-tooth comb? I don't love that. Um, now, Burford did have a great block on that throwback. I don't know if that throwback gets in the end zone, if it's not for Burford making that block. I believe on on a, a safety or, or Bolton, but he makes that block at the last, last second to get, get in the end zone. So all I mean to say is 
it just sucks when your bust bust happens to be the last one in the game. And it sucks when the whole game is full of mistakes by 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 the the Niners. Every day that has passed since the Super Bowl, I've been more in awe of the lack of 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 on the ball that I saw from San Francisco. The the attention to detail. So this Spencer Burford's not alone. Okay. The Chiefs won this game pre-snap. All game long, they won it pre-snap. They were more on the details. And that's the difference. And maybe that's part of listen, people said to me, I was in I was in a discussion about this with uh with Dr. Fax this week. This week, this past week is all about limiting distractions, keeping things as normal as possible. The head coach, that's a pre-snap penalty to me. You know, it's a he's he it's not like he fucked up. He made the mistake on purpose. He said he even asked three times the people upstairs, the analytics guys, are you sure? Are you sure we should take the ball out of overtime? But the fact of the matter is it's even worse than making the wrong call that your team doesn't know the rules. And, you know, as, as times passed, I've been thinking more and more about the fact that they didn't go in overtime. You know, it's, it's the nine yard line. You got four yards to go. I'd have made my third down call a fucking run play for two yards. And I'd have picked it up on, on, on fourth and two, because here's the deal. What makes that decision at the end of regulation to say we want the ball so risky is if you don't score a touchdown, you are fucked. Patrick Mahomes is inevitable. So the only thing you can do is go down and score a touchdown. Right? Exactly. So why not go when you're at the nine-yard line? Because you know what the one thing it would do if you didn't pick that up? It'd actually do two things in overtime at that point. Sure, there's less pressure on Patrick Mahomes, but he's got one less down because he ain't going on fourth down backed up at all. They're going to be punting the ball to you if you play good defense and you get a short field. And then you can go kick with Jake Moody and win the game. But instead, you kick the field goal and you give Patrick Mahomes an extra down and the finality of it. Like, you know, it's over if they go score a touchdown. And they got four downs to matriculate the ball down the field. I didn't like not going for it on fourth down down there at all. And you say, hey, the Chiefs were hot. Run me some numbers on how the Chiefs play where they're, when they're backed up inside the 10-yard line. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, I just think the more I'm thinking about it, I, I, I'm in disbelief at how undisciplined San Francisco was the other night. You know, Kansas City's mistakes because they were so visible and they, they had to do with the ball a lot of times, whether it was MBS running backwards or Pacheco dropping the ball or, you know, whatever it was. San Francisco made a lot of mistakes. I mean, they busted on that touchdown. A lot of people not talking about that touchdown. Was it cover three? Was it cover four? They're so fucked up. I don't know. Um, So they made a lot of mistakes. And for Feliciano or whoever wants to call out a teammate after a game like that, pick on somebody your own size. Fucking call out the coach. I don't see anybody doing that. I don't know if the apology was accepted or whatever. I don't mean to be in somebody else's business, but when you put it on X or Twitter, people are going to be in your business. That's why you keep in-house business in-house. That's why there's the same phone that you tweeted from, you could text that guy. And if you don't have his number, it's probably a problem. Kind of explains a lot of the protection issues. Um. But just getting back to the coach, man, I think Shanahan's a great coach and all that. But last week, 
Dan Campbell being too aggressive in the NFC Championship, you'd have thought again that he was the dumbest coach of all time. Can you imagine if Dan Campbell took the ball to start overtime against Patrick Mahomes? Would he already be fired? Would people already be calling for him to be fired? I don't mean to be hyperbolic. I just pick up on things, the narratives, the way people talk about certain coaches, the way they don't talk about other coaches. And I think Shanahan's a great coach, but I just disagreed with taking the ball in overtime, and I disagreed with not going for it down in, in the low red zone there. So, you know, maybe the reason that they were so tentative to run the ball in the third quarter, they came out with like six straight passes. You're talking about getting the ball at midfield after a turnover, and you come out with six straight passes. You know, you could go for the kill on the ground. It all counts the same. I know Kansas City was doing a great job up front, but you got to stick with it, right? You learned that lesson before. Um, Kansas City did a great job. When you watch back, their game plan was basically to say, first and second down, this team, hard action, left to right, sideline to sideline, that hard zone action, a lot of eye candy. What we're going to do is we're going to cover these guys up. You know, we're going to run a four-man front, but it's basically going to turn into a bear front on the snap of the football. Two overhang guys setting edges. You know, uh, you've got a pirate or, you know, a stunt where you get the uh, the bubble side end, the side, you know, where you've got the the shade, the guy inside the, the guard, and the big space between that guy and the end who's outside the tackle on a five technique. Basically on that bubble side where there's all that space, he's, he's stunting that end into that, that gap. And effectively, you've got two threes, a nose, um, and two overhangs. And so they were just covering guys up on early downs, trying to put as many bodies in the run front, build a wall, keep the guys behind them clean. And those big guys inside played great. The fucking depth guys, everybody. I mean, they were down bodies. They're not the most talented group to start with inside, outside of Chris Jones, but those guys played great. 98, 68, those guys, you know, the first play they ran on the ground in the third quarter, 69. I'm going to learn his name by the end of the week. I'm afraid he's going to come beat me up because that's a big Debo-looking son, son of a gun. Built like a refrigerator. Was throwing dudes around, including Trent Williams in the run game. The first six plays were passes. I think they go eye formation, and uh, he gets blocked down on by Trent and just hip tosses him. And maybe it was just that kind of deal. It was like something about the Chiefs scares teams out of trying to commit to the run game two weeks in a row for, for an opposing team. Like in that stretch in the third quarter, that's when they lost that game. They lost it in those key downs late, but they also lost it not going up 17, nothing in the third quarter. They go up 17, nothing third quarter. I think they win that game, but they botched their opportunity for a couple of possessions there. And they kind of went away from the run game, namely Christian McCaffrey. I think they had two runs before the one minute mark in the third quarter, multiple possessions. So spags gapping these guys out. Sometimes it's simple. Sometimes it's complicated. And when it was complicated, the guys on the back end made, made great plays. We talked about those, those pressures. They had eight or nine unblocked pressures. Spags led the league in producing those all year long. And let me tell you, so I'm going to tell you one more thing about Trent McDuffie. I realized that watching the game, but not until I hit the all 22, did I realize that Trent McDuffie was in Debo's hip pocket. The whole game. I mean, he was running routes for him. And for Trent McDuffie to come out of this game, he's already like an all-pro kind of guy. But, like, he he should be a star now. 
this is the kind of performance when you go back and watch it on tape, you're like, holy shit, this guy's good. And it's a reminder that Debo's Debo's not really a true wide receiver. He's a Swiss Army knife. He's a great player. But if you got to get him involved in the pass game and they say, McDuffie, you erase this guy, that's what he did. Um, and by the way, one of the biggest plays of the game, not just the pass breakup early in the second in the end zone, the tackle to get George killed down. Nobody thinks about this play. But at the end of regulation, that third and four was the biggest play of the game, or whatever it was. Third and, and short to medium. Game's on the line. You get the McDuffie pressure, which basically I took a picture of this front. It's a shit show. There's spinners everywhere. There's guys just walking around. There's two linemen. There's like two linebackers. There's Yeah, it's just, it's confusing. There's a lot of eye candy. He can't even get to his hot. We talked about it on Inside the NFL today, like Shanahan's systems don't really have hots built in. You hit the slant. Ayuk's got his hands out. He's looking for the ball. That's when Purdy's going to want back. Instead, he hits the outside slant. There's no space. But the point I'm making is there's no third and four with the game on the line. It's just Moody kicking a field goal to win if McDuffie doesn't get kittled down in the flat on second down. Go back and watch that tackle. Not an easy play. If he slips a little bit, if he doesn't stick his foot in the ground, take a good angle, make a strong tackle on George Kittle, who's a big guy, powerful guy. He knows if he gets his first down, the game's probably over. Second down, people don't think about stuff like that, but people made plays like that all game for Spags. And the more I watch back, Chanel, guys like that, role players stepping up, man. That's what winning the Super Bowl is about. Guys like that have to step up. The Stars and McDuffie and Chris Jones and Sneed, they got to step up. But so does Carl Loftus. So does Chanel. So does big number 69. Mike Pinnell, he balled out. Guys like that. Just there, there were a bunch of guys. And you can tell. Here's one great thing about Spags. When I was in high school, I was frustrated because I went to a private school. It was a good school and everything. But I got to be honest. They didn't. They taught to the, the front of the class. They taught to the smartest kids in the room. And I was not a, a front of the class guy. So I got lost in the shuffle sometimes. The metaphor I would have is like, you know, Spags is in there. He's a teacher. He's teaching every corner of the room. He's teaching the depth guys. He's teaching the role players. He's teaching guys who might have to make those big plays that nobody's talking about. He's teaching the guys that were snapping off inside at defensive tackle to stop Christian McCaffrey a play before the uh, the overtime third down that gave Kansas City the ball back after that field goal. Like, they're making the play before the play. Tons of tons of situations like that. Hats off to Spags. Does he want to be a head coach or not? I don't know. But incredible this year. And, and a tip of the cap to Nick Allegretti on the other side of the ball. I know we're just talking about the Kansas City defense, but the kind of toughness he showed, I knew right when he did it. He got his arm jammed up between um the slide i think it was or it was it was it was in the run game he had somebody locked out and the line was going one way and his blockers going the other and what happens is your arm gets caught in there it's like a trash compactor nick allegretti fucked up his arm that play he tore his ucl um which is less less one on the acl and he played through it now that's what the the circumstance demands because you want to talk about he's the depth he's already the depth you know um he didn't want to come out of that game 
he played a huge role. There are going to be guys that get forget forgotten in this whole thing. I think about guys in our Super Bowl run that everybody in town remembers, but outside Philly, people don't still talk about Corey Clement. They don't still talk about, you know, Nigel Bradham even. They don't still talk about, you know, uh, Patrick Robinson. They don't talk about – there's just so many guys on that team who weren't quote-unquote superstars. A lot of them are vets, a lot of them young guys that made big plays. And I, when I think about the Chiefs' defense, that's what it was all about. Spags teaching to every corner of the classroom and the guys hearing it and making the plays in big situations. I already talked about Chanel. He made about 15 plays. So putting that Super Bowl to bed today, as you're listening, is parade day. It is the best day in your career. If you ever get a chance to win a Super Bowl, some of you at home are like, I don't even play. But if you get a chance to win a Super Bowl, it is the best. There is no better day. And it's tough because for it to really be the day you want it to be, you got to get obliterated. I mean, I'm sure it's good sober. I've never done it sober. But the 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 catch-22 is like, it's going to be kind of hazy. So bring a GoPro or something like that. You know me. I'm not prepared. I didn't have anything. It's a blur in my head. But the memories I do have, incredible. And I cannot wait to see those guys enjoying themselves tomorrow. Maybe I get Ken Flagel. Um, to rock a GoPro tomorrow. I'll shoot him a text tonight. All right. Well, the only other thing is this Justin Fields stuff, which which is popping up now. Vegas says, Vegas is saying as of right now that Pittsburgh is more likely than Chicago. Okay. There's a lot of reasons why reports like this could be coming out. And I don't know exactly where it's coming from, but you know, you got to think about it. I'd be excited by this whole thing. I mean, I really would. I, I know I'm excited anywhere they want to put Justin Fields because I just I'm gonna be pulling for him and that sort of thing. But Atlanta was like a primo destination for him, and maybe they still are. Uh, but Arthur Smith's now in Pittsburgh, and I think that might have a lot to do with it. But also the report is that Tomlin really likes Justin Fields. Like Obviously, this is a fit schematically. But what you didn't know is that George Pickens and Justin Fields were teammates in a high school seven-on-seven tournament. It's got to work. Uh, also a lot of great players. Well, not great players, but a, a solid, a solid cast of characters there for him. If you had to weigh this cast of characters, Deontay Johnson, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren, all under contract next year. How does that look compared to what he's had to deal with in Chicago? Um, now the motivation for this, this news getting out or this little bit of, you know, like whatever. And by the way, this is way more cap friendly than some of the stuff I've already floated. Sometimes we get out here and we're like, uh, it's fantasy land with the cap. But it could be Fields' agent putting this out, you know, make their guy look good, drum up some interest elsewhere. It could be, you know, it could be somebody who's Chicago adjacent trying to put that out because they know somebody else is, is horny to acquire Fields and is playing hardball right now. Well, if they know that somebody else is like, you know, it's it's like your ex-girlfriend or something. You're not even paying attention. All of a sudden, she rides by with a guy that looks like a fucking surfer or something like in an Abercrombie fit back in high school. And you're like, oh, shit, I like her again. You know, it's it's that you drum up a little interest this way. You know, whose field's going to the dance with? I thought he was going to dance with nobody. I, I was thinking about asking him to dance as a last resort. But Pittsburgh's all excited. They might ask him to dance. So there's reasons... 
that teams kind of like drum up intrigue and that sort of thing. And, you know, it could be Pittsburgh trying to, this is an interesting one. Nolan brought this up. It could be Pittsburgh, you know, um, leaking something, trying to, trying to smoke screen people thinking they're out of it for a drafted QB when they're really trying to jump up for a QB and teams aren't counting, having to jump them and that sort of thing. So there's, this is the time that the information wars begin in the NFL. And it's kind of interesting. And I'm never got my head fully wrapped around it, but the Justin Fields, the Pittsburgh idea, I can see it in my head. I think it, I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be a fun addition to a really tough division that would only get more physical because when you think about Justin Fields and an offense that suits him, it's physical. So a special treat here. Um, obviously we got a couple interviews from last week that we haven't fired off. And, uh, we also have an open, like we did me, Bo, my dad, Nate, we got together in front of the Tacoma there, uh, at the Toyota media center, the, the content center, if you will, where we were banging out content content. Uh, and we did an open. So I'll just let, I'll just let last week's me lead us into these interviews. We will be back Friday. Check these interviews out. Happy hump day. All right, we got a great show for you today. I've got all the guys up here that are going to be participating in the show. Some of them are employees. Some of them are my dad. Um, and I appreciate you is coming this pro, by. Is this pro bono? Whoa. Yeah, it's pro bono. Yeah. No, I got the Toyota people can handle, you know. Your, uh, <laughs> so, um, I've read all the Toyota people. They're great. Yeah, they're awesome. They are. The guy who runs Toyota is a dead ringer for you. He's got, yeah, he he's, is. He's got the same flat top. Matter of fact, th three or four people called me by his name on the way in. He's the he was cool. As I said no, no, no. I'm not with Toyota. <laughs> he was cool as hell. <laughs> um, but all right, so here's the deal. We we got a couple guests for you today. Uh, David and Joku. That was Nate and myself. We we got to sit down with David and Joku. I think, and we talked about this. The scary incident that happened to him this yeah. year, like we talk about playing hurt all the time. This is a totally different thing. Yeah. You know, going through that, that, that fire, the burn that, that he endured, going out there and playing with it. He talked about it. You'll really enjoy hearing from him. He's funny as hell. He's trying to drive the truck off the lot. He's like, where are the Toyota people? I want to talk to the Toyota people. I'm like, dude, David, I don't think you can do it. Um, David was great. We had uh, – we had – we had Orlando Brown. Yep. That was awesome. Me and my pop big said man. that. Big guy and understands, you know, that like football family thing. Play with Kyle. Yeah, you know, it's a different – he had a different perspective, you know, and it, it, it's one that, you know, I think his dad and I probably, you know, didn't anticipate. You know, when you have kids, you don't think – I don't look at myself in the mirror and see what everybody else sees, and I don't think it's a big deal. But, you know, what you have to endure as a, as a son of an athlete – it's it's tough, and it's, it was, he talked about it, which which is really interesting. Love that guy. Um, we also had probably one of my favorite guests we've had on, yeah. bar none. Like, you know, you meet some people. Bo said, "I got a man crush on this." I got a new man crush, Puka Nakua. What a guy! Puka Nakua is he's like a, a vet in yeah. a rookie's body. Smart, cool, charismatic. He's got nice flows. But making he's me jealous. excited. Yeah. He he yeah. he's he he's got passion. Yeah, you know, like so I, enthusiastic. You love he, it. He would have been so fun to play with. You could just yeah. sit down here and tell, like he just great brings. Name. He, yeah, it's yeah. great name. Great name. Yeah, he, he's he, going to talk about the. He talks about that the, name the, the etymology. Really of that cool. Name. So, 
Uh, and then uh, lastly, who else do we have today? Anybody else we forget? Howie Long. Yeah, Howie He's Long. He's sitting here with us right now. So, mm. Dad, I know we're all tired after that late night we all spent together. The company trip to – he didn't go to the nightclub. Metro Boomin. <laughs> he, he wasn't at Metro Boomin. Nightclub, the buzzers go off if I walk in a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> Stanford Steve, Irish goodbye to us. Now your mom, she'd go to the nightclub. She'd with. go to the nightclub <laughs> with you. Yeah. So, anyways, um, enjoy the show today. We, we just want to thank Toyota – I mean, Amazing podcasting in front of this Tacoma yeah. is like a little boy's dream here. I mean, if I get into this business and do a partnership with Toyota, I've been driving Toyota for years. Love the I, trucks. I told, them, I told them you could pull up at the gas station. You've got an old cruiser, too. You could pull up at the gas station in a Ferrari. Uh, but when you pull up, I pull up in the FJ40, everyone wants to look at the truck or buy the truck. Yeah. And they trust you. Yeah, you're just a trustworthy guy with a Toyota, man. Especially a vintage Toyota. You you got a sweet. You, yeah. you used to have a sweet FJ40, and 76. 76. Yeah. You know, I got the 62. I got the Tundra. I've driven the 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 Cruiser. The whole thing. Kyle drives a Sequoia. Yeah. Um, Sequoia. And uh, a nice truck. Yeah. And I want to thank Little Caesars. They've been with us all year. Um, we did our uh, preview today with Stanford Steve. Can they send me something over tomorrow? I'll be watching the game at the hotel. You want a pizza? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Pizza Pizza. Yeah. You want to hit the online pizza portal. Okay, I don't know how to get that. I've been doing the ad reads all year. I can set you up. I can't get on X either. I don't know how to do that. X. That's a good thing. You yeah. don't want to do that. Yeah. It's a hellscape. Yeah. All right, well, so thank you to everybody who's at home watching. Uh, we hit some big milestones uh, this past week. We haven't talked about this on the show, but YouTube hit 100K. Uh, the cool thing about this week is running into the guys, man. Yeah. Absolutely. It's seeing guys you respect that you played against. Sitting here with Vernon Davis yesterday, I told him, I said, my neck hurts, and I think it's you. At least 30% yeah. is, you know, like banging heads with that dude. Saw Luke Wilson from the yeah. Seahawks. Yep. Seeing a bunch of great players walk through here. But I think it's also cool, the people at home who don't get to be here, who are consuming this content, you helped us get to where we are, to the point where we got cool trucks behind us, and we're in the media center. This is just the first of many awesome Super Bowls that Greenlight's going to do. Thank you at home. Thank you for anybody that came by the set. And thank you to my esteemed colleagues here. Thank you, Chris. And the independent thank contractor thank on you. set. What a crew. Yeah, what a crew. What a group. Our fearless leader, Chris. What a week for us. <laughs> fearless man. leader. Enjoy. I ran, in, I ran into Bo with the sphere. Oh, yeah, time. they shared oh. you. Two. In, hey, in one word, how was Bo doing at the sphere? Bo, I think Bo was probably internally more paranoid than anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he, he looked like Bo. That's yeah. the way it works. Yeah. You are freaking so out, that man. Is, yeah. That is Bo. The, right. the sphere is a little overwhelming at times. The you know? sphere, I tell you, I, I, it's pretty amazing. The yeah. sphere, when you walk in and you're sharing a suite with Howie Long unexpectedly, yeah. can be really stressful. Yeah, we, saw, we saw Adam Sandler there, Chris Adam. Rock. It was his yeah. birthday. The commissioner. Oh, that's cool. Oh, yeah, Bo's chopping it up with the what commissioner. An what an interesting crowd. Yeah, it was a fun group, and then it was your boy. We're playing blackjack, getting primed for the night. Yeah. I'm like, what you up to, Bo? He's like, I'm going to U2. I don't know where I'm sitting. He walks in. He's talking to Roger Goodell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not quite what I was expecting. It's a good thing you were retired. I had a great time. Um, okay, so enjoy the show, everybody. Thank you for, for listening, and thanks for the people that stopped by. Enjoy Make the weekend. Possible. Thank you, Toyota. Thank you, Little Caesars. This is cool, man. We love watching this guy play. I used to wear the horns back in the day. Now they're the big show. They're in L.A. And uh, they got these awesome rookies, man. And one of them, Puka Nakua, 
a uh, lot of fun to watch and a big dude man <laughs> yeah a big dude welcome to the toyota content center man how you doing life is good it's been a good week out here in las vegas as well dude I, I gotta say like you deserve some sort of an award for offensive rookie of the year <laughs> i mean it's just that like cj stroud is just cj he's, he's balling. quarterback and he's <laughs> yeah. insane but bro you had such an awesome year i mean you know they found you a little bit later in the draft and um I wonder for you when you realize, like, hey, I got it, bro. Like, I'm sure you're confident, but it takes, like, making a play in camp or something. What was it for you? Yeah, 100%. Uh, one of the deep, one of the first practices in OTAs on, it was before camp. Of, number one is our corner who comes up and guard me. I get a rep with the ones. Matthew's throwing me the ball, and it's like I had a five-yard in, like, a, a and I, but I, I won. Beat him off the line of scrimmage, smooth catch transition, made a move on the post safety, and I was just like, damn. Like, it clicked in my I felt I was like, man, I don't know how, if that was, like, it was a five yard route. I was like, it wasn't anything crazy, but I was like, damn. I, I beat the guy who was number one. If you're a corner playing number one, like, you got to be the guy. That's an NFL guy. Dude. Yeah, exactly. So just my confidence was able to skyrocket from there, and then everything just kind of took off. Hey, on the other side of the coin, what about like a welcome to the NFL moment where you, you know, obviously that was a great rep for you and kind of a cool moment when you're like, hey, I belong. Like, you know, you dream of playing the NFL, but was there ever like a more sobering thought where you're like, oh, shit, like I got my work cut out for me too. Like I yeah. better I better work work a bit. Well, 1,000%. It was uh, week one in Seattle. We have a, we have a crack toss play, and uh, we have the, I'm pulling right behind our, our, our tackle guard. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm cut split already, and we had already done some stuff. Seattle's already calling me out. They didn't see me hit yeah. a couple one blocks. So they're like, all right, watch the motion, watch the motion. I'm, like, peeking out my peripheral because Bobby Wagner's got the freaking dark <laughs> visor, and I can't see where his yeah. eyes are at. So I'm like, okay, don't give it away. Don't give it away, but I got to go. As soon as I go, like, I, I whip my head to the side. Like, we're on the right hash, and I, I can see, like, I, I as soon as I point, I'm looking at our sideline. So I'm go, I'm seeing, it, and then I'm like, I'm getting ready to insert on the other C gap. And as soon as I like go to turn, boom, I just get flat. And I'm looking up at the sky, and I'm like, I bounce on the, uh, the ground like three times. And then we had a tackle for loss for like five yards. And was, the D tackle is like, I literally look like this, and I was in, the, like, yeah. I was in there, and I was like, what in the world just happened? And then like, we're all in the huddle, like, yeah, sorry, we got hit on the pool. And I was like, well, I got hit on the pool too. Yeah. Like, was it great, dude? <laughs> Come you, on, man, you used to be an offensive lineman, right? You're, yeah, you're exactly. To, <laughs> yeah, dude, he was a big body. I yeah. just realized that. Like back in the day, they told us you were like in Pee Wee, and growing up, you were a tackle. Yeah. Yes, I was, and it wasn't great. I know. So you got those, those pictures. Yeah, they they are very they're very interesting for sure. I was, tell us what does Puka mean as a nickname? So uh, my grandma's from Western Samoa, and my grandma was the one who gave it, uh, me that nickname. But it means fat and chubby. Like it was like my, <laughs> my childhood man. Yeah. yeah, but when dudes run up on you, they're like, man, this is a big dude. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, being a big body guy, man, I love the connection between you and Matt. And Cooper, because, you know, like, he's got that strong arm. He could put it anywhere on the field. And it's crazy to me because he's older. He's got gray hair. <laughs> yeah, but does. that arm is, like, 23. Yeah. Are you able to – you just marvel at the throws he makes in practice and oh, in games? Especially. That was, like, one of the first things. I mean, I know the, the everybody knows, like – especially being a new era kid like the Patrick Mahomes no look but then it was like our in our team meetings like they're we're showing old Lions tape of Matthew ripping it and then every day I practice like whether they're at the he's extending the play just a little bit but you know he's not, not extending the play to run the ball he's waiting for you to get open because he's ready to absolutely rip that ball to you and he can't put it anywhere so it makes it so fun and then yeah with him and Coop out there like the the connection and their confidence just uh, it makes everything a blast and you can't you can't kill Matt like, he's so tough, bro. Oh I mean, y'all got a really tough team. I can tell you're a dog, bro. Like, that's why we really like you. But 
Matt is just so tough. I've seen him take so many big hits. And then, you know, like seeing him in that Detroit game, which was such yeah. a physical game, yeah, bro. You could tell watching it on TV. Yeah. Like, if you played in those games, you're like, man, these dudes are out there thumping. Yep. The hit on Higby, like, I, I hope he's good. I hope yep. he comes back. The hit on Matt and when he got up, yeah. I was like, you guys were just trading blows. Talk about the atmosphere in that game in particular because that's your first real <laughs> taste of – of being on a stage like that. Yeah, 100%. It was the best environment as a competitor like that you want to be in. Like, uh, the whole place rooting against you, you rocking with the 53 guys wearing the same uniform as you, and you know, like, you were going to war with those guys, and it was us versus everybody else out there. So it was a it was a great environment. I'm talking about we're in the huddle, and, like, everybody's close. Matthew's yeah. down on the knee looking up, and I'm, like, I'm on, like, I'm, like, laying on the floor because I'm, like, I can't hear. I was, like, the sound waves got to get to me somehow, bro. Like, our, you know, if, if you coach me, base play calls are not short so i'm like he's out here reading like a page of a harry potter book and i'm like all right bro wait what's the can bro you said that we have another play after that i'm like i'm like well he's like oh here we got 15 seconds and i'm like i have not you you didn't tag me i'm missing the whole play and you want me to run out and get set dude like give me give mistake. me i'm dumb we're done well i don't want to say that bo's really smart but like, our look. calls are like you know, over, yeah. like, yeah. like, like hot heat. Like they're, they're actually different. Literally, hot heat. We had a call in, in uh, Philly. We ran it probably like 30 times a game. It was just jet 53. Jet 53, <laughs> bro. Jet 53. Hey, that's how quick I get my assignments. Yeah. So tell me, give me like a Sean McVay play. Like, do you remember one that you can recite? Like how long do they actually take to get out of Matt? Uh, we could go like lab rat to Y Mo, South right clamp. Uh, <laughs> Kill spider two wide banana. My ADHD. Hey, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm, my ADHD I'm already out. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, what? That's why I be sitting there sometimes. It's like, man. And when he doesn't tag me specifically, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's like a concept. Like it's just like a one word where the whole everybody's supposed to remember it. I'm like, that's the worst play. I like, I hate, those, <laughs> I hate those plays. And they're always good. Like it's a great concept and it's always set up. But I'm like, coach, you got You're asking me to remember what everybody else is doing and my yeah. round. Like that's the number but one. That, no, but, no. But the details with him, like what I've heard. Beach, what I've heard, yo, what up, dude? All the big bodies, all the big bodies. You look great, huh? Yeah. Bro, he looks great. You look uh, amazing. So, anyways, like, what I've heard about McVeigh is the detail. You know, like, if you're going to split here, like, it, a couple inches is going to make the whole difference. You know, like, where you're aligned and then the motion, the timing of it, how detail-oriented is, is he? And, like, what's an example of the exact science that it comes down to with him? Yeah, 100%. It's like I, you guys know with the schedule of like having a walkthrough before our actual practice and those walkthroughs for us, especially with all the motions, it's so funny. I think what like well, Coop got back week five and I think week six uh, we played the Cardinals. They, they ran a lot of like a three high cover four and Tampa two stuff, but with three, they play three safeties. So we're like, we're, we're doing all these man zone indicators and we're just like fake, fake fly motion all the way across the field and then fly all the way back to outside the numbers and then run a shallow route. And it's like, all that's getting tagged in the play and coach McVay's like, all right. So if you don't, if you do this first motion and we, we get the defender to fly with us, okay, we obviously got our man indicator, but now we're going to can the play without like saying that we're going to can the play. Like we already know what we got. So we go and it's like, then when he gets to talk about the run, the run plays, he's like, all right, I'm going to put you in a close split. The two inches you cut is going to make the backer relate to you, and the safety is going to come down and fit. And the, the right guard's eye progression is going to go backer to safety. So in order for you to be in your cut split, you got to go – got your angle of uh, 
like your takeoff angle has to be flat and right there now because that safety has a beat on you because our guards going out to the back are all the way over there. So it's like him, he, the way he talks about it is absolutely insane. Yeah, I love that attention to detail, that man. Is, uh, but it's great. You got a rookie here. I know. I'm not pumping his tires, but yeah. this guy's like a vet, bro. <laughs> I know. Hey, you're a smart player, I mean, man. I, we I love to play with that. this guy, man. He, he's got his stuff down. And you got to in that offense, man. I mean, 100%. all the details matter. Um, you know, when it comes to the run game, I know you're a big body. Like, you mix it up. Hell, yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that a point of pride for you guys? A hundred percent. I think it comes from our leader. That's Coop, especially Coop. He he does that all the time. And when you see the guy who's the who the triple crown winner catching up. Uh, 20 touchdowns, going for 100 balls, going for almost 2,000. Like, and then he's out there in the duo blocks, inserting in the C gap, and doing everything. So it's like, well, as a receiver, like that's that's how you you beat. That's the the part of being a, a complete wide receiver, and that's yeah. who we see every single day. So it's like, oh, I have no option, and then like no choice but to come in yeah. and like accept that role of like I'm he I'm here to be a part of the run game. If the leader's doing it, you gotta do it too. Exactly. 1, I, I got a question for you. So obviously with Cooper, it's. You know, as a young player coming into the league, you find these guys that you emulate and you try to learn as much as you can from them, like, you know, steal little parts of their game, learn all, all their tricks and, 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 you know, just kind of grill them and learn from them. So you have that in Cooper on your team, in your locker room, in your meeting room. Yeah. But is there anyone else across the league that you want to, you know, try to emulate or you model your game off or you're like, hey, I really like this guy as a player. I see a lot. Like, I want to take some of his game. Yeah, I, I love watching uh, Justin Jefferson and actually Mike Evans. Yeah. So I, yeah. Mike Evans was one of the guys, uh, my, one of my college teammates showed me He's like, man, I, I think you like you would yeah. like Mike Evans. So, and uh, somebody who's super physical guy, but yeah. also can can run every route you ask him yeah. as a wide receiver. Gets moved in the inside, moved on the outside. Catch radius is absolutely insane. insane. And like, yeah. yeah, somebody who like involves like epitomizes like uh, being a physical. Yeah, every part about his what he does is physical, and I love watching him. We were saying yesterday, Mike, like when he's trying to beat guys off the line on press corners and stuff, he's almost hitting like D line pass rushing moves. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. There's a, there's like a lot of commonality over. in what you guys doing, what we do. 100. percent I would love if I could, if I could play another position. I would let me let me rush the edge. Like let me stand yeah, let's on the go. Out. Come on over to the dark side. Uh, yeah. It's speed to power. Like, let me do a release. I'm I'm a double you up, and as soon as you set your feet, I'm gonna run right uh, through your chest. Yeah, because that's the I, one I, thing you don't get to do no, for as long. Like yeah. we get to push him all the way back into the quarterback. Yeah, that's why I've, I've got my coach always. Tell, he's like, man, linesman, yeah. linemen's wide receiver. Yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah, you guys pick. You guys are you work edges, work edges. Yeah. But that's what my coach always says. As a wide receiver, you're supposed to work edges. But he's like, Pook, you can't just run down the middle of these guys. I'm like, coach, he's too little. I already Same got him. I used to tell Bo. Yeah. Set his feet up. Bull like, rush. Yeah. <laughs> I used to tell Bo. I was like, you know, attack half man, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> 330 pounds. Hey, talk about a defensive lineman here. We can't, we can't have you on here without asking you about, in my opinion, the single scariest guy I've ever, ever played with. And he was a rookie. Whoa. Aaron Donald. He is. I, I have a funny story. So, uh, rookies are. We had 40 rookies during the the our OTAs and stuff. I see AD working out over there. He's got the lifting coach with him. Coach Love, and he's just working out by himself. He's probably been there. We had the conditioning test, and then we had to come do the rookie test. But he's been lifting this whole time, so it's like two hours. We're like we're in there, and he's out there. He's got the 180s are somewhere by the the, the dumbbell the, the dumbbell rack. Rose with 180. Doing rows with the 180. I don't see him. I have my back. I'm doing the massage gun on my shoulder, about to get ready for the workout, and all I hear is. Move and I'm like, <laughs> like I dropped dropped the Thera gun, like jump and I turn around as AD and I like I like I move and I'm like I guess I didn't move out the way enough because I like, <laughs> I just turned around and like just started doing the gun on the other side. He said, move again. I I ran out the weight room. I I I ran out the weight room. I act like I had to use the bathroom He's when I still came. Still running. Yeah. No, literally. I don't blame you, dude. That's oh. how I got here. He just ran. <laughs> there Bro. was so much fear filled filled. I was filled with so much fear. Yeah. Just he so 
He's such a great dude. Oh, the you best. know, I'm sure he's a great vet, but he's so he can be so violent. Yeah. Oh. You know, and he can control that violence yeah. in a way that nobody I ever played with could. Yeah. You talk about the handwork. Oh my. The I mean, it's precision like, is unreal. It's moving a million miles an hour. Yeah. And then this, you know, I don't know if you've seen this yet, but do not if you're an offensive lineman in practice. Just it's not worth the the last shove. No, yeah. oh never, bro. It ain't worth it. <laughs> I think one of our you rookie, got the wrong one. Yeah, one of our rookie guards, Steve Avila. He actually played uh, all every, every snap. So Steve is the man. But I know we were talking about how it was for him like the first like padded practice during training camp, going against AD. Like he's like, bro, I thought they should cut me. He's like, I'm <laughs> terrible at football. Like yeah. I should never put the pads on ever make again. Make you feel that way. Talking about welcome to the NFL moment. That's he'll a make, tough matchup for he'll him. He'll make you feel that way if you play with him on the D line yeah. because. I remember one of the training camp open practices, we were running like three-man fronts, and I was defensive end, and I had like a little ding, so I ran off to get some treatment. AD trots out there, and he's dogging the guy that's been blocking me. He's he's like the best edge rusher I've ever seen. You know what I did? I limped my ass back out there. I was like, you ain't getting my reps, buddy. Um, when it comes exactly. to like AD, you obviously see him every day, but how about a guy that, you were like, oh, that guy's the truth. Whether it's a defensive lineman or a linebacker or a corner that you played this year, and you were like, that's that dude. Uh, I may be a little biased, but just because he's a BYU alumni, but uh, and he also plays for uh, the other team that we don't really like that up. But Fred Warner, I mean, uh, I, oh, yeah. I had my, Fred played with my older brother at BYU, so I saw Fred when he was wearing number 34, and nobody really knew who Fred was yet. So it's been uh, obviously I haven't seen uh, seen his journey has been absolutely crazy, but. Uh, I remember we played them week two, and I got tackled, and he was like, yeah, Pook, like, he, uh, the, I got tackled by three dudes, yeah, he's on top of me, and I'm like, the best linebacker in the game. He's like, yeah, Pook, I got you, dog, and I'm like, I'm, I can't breathe. Can you hurry up, please? Yeah. <laughs> Get off me, bro. Did, did your brother play for Bronco? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, I know Bronco because he was at Virginia yeah. for a while. Yeah. Could, and uh, yeah. I still talk to him a little bit. He's the man. He's Great the guy, man. dude. Yeah. Great guy. My brother, yeah, my brother's Kalani was uh, my okay. brother's last year. Yeah, I know he had the whole staff out there. I bet yeah. you know a bunch of the same guys, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you talked about Fred Warner, great player. And one of th one thing I love about your game is, like, your toughness. You're not afraid to, you know, catch the ball in the mi in the middle of the field, get physical. So what's it like when you, when you know that that's going to be a huge role for you, you know, on game day, and then, you know, understand that there's guys like Rose Quan Smith, Red <laughs> Warner, just lurking over there in the middle of the field. Yeah, uh, it's definitely not an easy one. I, I live in the sauna and the cold tub. Like all, <laughs> I, 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 for after Sunday, like I'm just sitting there. there. It's like I, if I'm not playing video games, I'm sitting in, yeah. in, in that spot because I need it. Hey, I'm happy you brought that up, Matt, actually, man. I know uh, I'm a big gamer myself. Oh yeah, yeah this is the good. So one. I want to yeah, talk it. to you about that. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your game of choice? And what's your like? Are you a PC gamer? Are you on PS5? I, what do you? I, I have PS5. I just got a PC I, though, and, oh, and bro, oh my, it changed my. Uh, it's a whole new world bro. No, you play I, Madden? I do. I just barely started recently. Can we play Madden. a game at some point, you and me? 100%. I'm going to get your tag because yeah. I'm going to work you with the Rams. <laughs> I'm going to beat you with you. Because <laughs> hey, I've dubbed my kid the other day with Puka and Cooper. Hey. Yeah, bro. <laughs> I love to hear that. Y'all are too smooth. I get the I got the McVay playbook. It's lethal. Oh, it's crazy. What else do you play? Uh, I play the uh, Warzone Resurgence, and then I dabble a little bit of Fortnite. I've been trying to get into some new games. I know PC uh, has, like, a lot of interactive you games get a Steam like Deck. That. Yeah, I have a Steam Deck, which is, like, I play PC, but uh -huh. just for, like, 
mobile gaming when you're traveling and stuff. But I play a lot of uh, Overwatch. Ooh, okay. Which is like a weird fucking game, but I think you like it. Do you ever uh, play Apex then? Apex too? Legends. Okay. I, say, I used yeah. to dabble in Apex, yeah. but but Apex I remember the guys really got fast. small, and then uh, I used to the, the rope guy. Yeah. I thought he was Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's you guys open. are really nerding out here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys awesome. lost me when it got to like Overwatch. I'm shielding up over here. Yeah. I, I put one disc in, and it yeah. stays in for like two months. I just play the same game. Well, Chris is joking, but his kids are nasty at Switch. I go to his house, and he's got. Oh, they're running in 2K. Wow. Un Seven-year-old, he'll run. Uh, he's like, yeah. he's good. He did. It. Yeah. He did a Euro step in basketball in real life last week. He yeah. didn't get it from me. He just he picks it up off the two. Nah, he got that from Meg. Yeah, he got it from Meg. He got it from my wife. Um, how about how about your favorite stadium that you've played in this year, like a road stadium? What was your favorite trip? Uh, Lambo. I, I grew up a Packers yeah. fan, and oh, that, that wow. yeah, so that was that was surreal. It was absolutely. It was it was actually a good Green Bay day too. It was we got a little bit of rain, but it was like. Just it was cold, but it was cloudy, no rain. It was it was sweet. Do you like playing in the cold with your background and like BYU and stuff? I actually do. I love because I actually love wearing the little ski mask and stuff. I think it's cool. yeah, it's, and it's you, the best yeah, to have that under your helmet. It's way better than all the photos and stuff. But then you also like when you're talking trash, like you can't see anything. It's like I, I can move my helmet, but it's also like I'm running, so my helmet's moving <laughs> anyway. But now I have nothing. Like my whole mouth is covered. I can unload. Like you can do you, do you, tee do you, off. Yeah, how how does the lettuce work on game day with the, with the hair? Because you got good lettuce. Like, Oh, yeah, I, I got to take the bun out and stuff, and I, I just let it all just slick back over there and let, let a little bit of it flow. Are you going to keep out. growing it? I think so. I, it's been tough. I, I have uh, almost a year from my combine training to, yeah, from. Keep yeah. growing it, man. Hey, we love talking to you, bro. Hope you yeah. come on again. This I guy's awesome, man. man. I've nothing but yeah, great things great about vibes, my old bro. Rams buddies. Uh, continued success, man, and good yeah. luck to you. Yeah, I'll make sure I tell Big Rob I, I, met, the, I met the OGs. Yeah. Sure. A couple OGs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A couple wash-up dudes. Absolutely, man. We'll, get, we'll see you on the sticks. Yes, sir. Yeah, on the sticks. It. It'll be yeah. fun. Easy All right, let's roll. Come. Okay. Easy go, cool. little high, little hey. low. <laughs> like that, little bass booster. Uh, all right, we got David Njoku, who's turned into one of the best tight ends in the league, man. And and we love your game, bro. You block, you do all the dirty work, you know, like you got to do that in that offense. But it's fun watching with the ball in your hand, man. So congrats on a great year, individual accolades and everything. And uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you yeah. for having me. I appreciate the, the support. You guys are the best. What did you think, man, when uh, when you pulled Flacco off the street? Like, what was the honest opinion? Honestly, um, when I saw I saw on Instagram that we got him. Yeah. And then I saw him in the training room, and I, I kind of, like, like, sized him up. You know, he was on the Ravens for so many years. I think yeah. my rookie year, he beat me. Yeah. So I, I had to make sure that he wasn't, like, an undercover op, you know? But uh, <laughs> nah, he was awesome. He was, he was a blessing for sure. Good teammate. You could tell guys connected. Gosh, with I'm actually going to call him after this and see what he's doing later. Is he here? He is. Guys he, like he me here and Joe, yesterday. same draft class. We, we can't stay out too late. Hey, nah, nah. <laughs> you, you ain't see Flacco. Flacco's a beast. Yeah, he's oh. a beast. He's a beast. <laughs> um, talk to me about like how great that offense is for you. Um, I feel like I feel like I see so many plays where you guys dial up play action and you're such a weapon in that part of the game. Um, working in sync with the O-line and everything. How great is Kevin as a play caller? I know in the beginning maybe it wasn't like uh, a perfect fit, but like eventually you guys really caught on. So what's he all about and, and, and how does the run game feed you? You know, I will say this. In our offense, it really takes all 11 for everything to work. Right. I think my favorite play of the year 
wasn't really any, any of my touchdowns. It was the play against the Ravens when it was a run and the whole team was pushing, you know, to get that first down. You know, that, that really just shows how much, number one, how much we care about each other and how much we, we, we want we wanted to win. You know, and, uh, the playoff game, you know, it, it really didn't, didn't seem real, you know, because I just, like, it was so much adversity and so many things we overcame throughout the year, you know, and it was just, it was tough, but, uh, you know, God is good. You feel me? Like, 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 hope, like most of us left, finished the season, you know, not hurt, not injured or anything. So, yeah, you, you guys just give glory to, to God. I bumped into Miles yesterday. That guy's bigger every time defensive I see player, him. Bro. Defensive player of the year. Yeah, dude. Congrats to Miles. Uh, you Miles, got you're the GOAT, man. Don't yeah. let anyone tell you different, all right? <laughs> no other beast. team in the AFC. You're the GOAT. He's a beast, dude. And you got to – where's, where's TJ at? TJ. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't talking shit. I'm just asking where he's at. You got you to block Miles in practice. What's that like? I've been, I've been doing that for about seven years, you know. Yeah. Me and him are going on our eighth year, and it feels like yesterday we were rookies. Yeah. I will say this, you know, and I, I really don't like sharing this story, but for you guys, I, I can. You're the yeah? man. <laughs> My rookie year, I was about 240, you know. And uh, at the time, you know, we, we would have uh, in camp, we would have like, you know, one-on-ones blocking. Yeah. So I, I would go against, you know, one guy, whatever. And then I finally had to go against Miles. <laughs> 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 when the ball was hiked, he picked me up from the ground. And he really couldn't like, you know, uh, you know, the WWE move. Uh, let's, let's say the, the rock bottom. Rock bottom. Where, where, where yeah. you go up in the air. Yeah. He really could have slammed me like that, but he <laughs> down and I was like yo oh <laughs> was that <laughs> at that worse? point I was like you know what yo I got I, I have to work at this I I can't be seen doing this you know but uh you know he is he is the elite I, I honestly think he's the best DN I've ever won against you know he's at, incredible he's like Julius Peppers he's our generation's Julius Peppers for man. sure that's he's, a great comparison he's really one-on-one right now um and and JOK one of my favorite players to watch dude what makes your linebacker so good? I feel like they play him fast forward. You know, JOK is so interesting. You know, I've, I've, he's, the, he's the first and only linebacker I've seen that is completely vegan. Really? You know I mean? Yeah. Wow. Completely vegan. He doesn't eat no meat, no dairy, whatever. And uh, he's so explosive. Yeah. You know, even though he's, he's you know, lighter a little bit. Like, he, like, the plays that he makes is, like, it's not normal. Like, I, I really believe he's making his way to be elite as well. So uh, I'm so glad that he's on our side, you know. He's, he's an awesome dude as a person as well. And, uh, yeah, go Brownies. <laughs> so going back to Joe, when he got there um, midseason, how was it trying to find a groove, like, with him? Like, trying to get in the groove with a quarterback and make a playoff. Trying to get into the groove with, with Joe. With no. Joe. With Joe. Trying no, to yeah, for sure. Um, the first game was uh, the Rams. You know, I, I really didn't have, like, a great game. Actually, there was one play where I, I should have had, like, a 30, 40-yard gain, but yeah. I stepped out of bounds. Like a like a D head, yeah. <laughs> but um, no, um, that, that that chemistry happened just like that, you know. And uh, it was almost like I I knew when he was throwing it to me before the ball was even snapped, just because like I just I, I just it was more like a feel. But uh, no, we definitely had fun, you know. Um, hopefully, he stays in Cleveland. Yeah, you know. And he, and he made some plays off script. I was like, "Damn, dude, yeah. he's breaking the pocket." And everything. Thirty-eight years old, running Look like that. You, I said, Joe. "Go, please, take it easy." Take but it the Houston, the first Houston game, bro. Yeah, I called it the most beautiful game of catch I've ever seen between him and Coop. And it was like y'all didn't have a kicker, so y'all were like, Damn. "Sorry, I got." I was go. trying to kick it. I got to go on fourth and eight. Sorry, we're just gonna convert again. You were really, you were you trying to kick, kick the ball. Oh, I was trying to kick it, dog, and Kevin wouldn't let me. You know, honestly, um. <laughs> 
you know, I just need to show him in practice that I can kick it, and then he'll trust me in the game. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, whatever you can do. I, I don't know if you know that he was an all-star in high school in the high jump, and we got the Olympics coming this summer. Do you think there's any events that you think you can probably Could you play? compete in right now? Um, I mean, I guess all I have really is the high jump, isn't it? It's the high jump. Maybe, maybe long and triple, but uh, I, I, I would bet on high. I can at least get like six, six right now, at least. Damn, dude. Yeah. So you're here with Withstan. You know, like obviously yeah. you had a scary moment this year, and I was feeling for you, man, because, like, I don't know. It's it was so personal because it's like it's your face and the whole thing, and you're like you're probably really afraid of what how it's gonna heal up and all that stuff, and then you got to go play. Like, how painful was it and, and how mentally trying was it to go through that? And, and what can you tell people who might be dealing with the same type of situation? You know, I'm not trying to sound crazy, but it was probably one of the most exhilarating times of my life. Really? And I'll tell you why, because, um, you know, obviously, like, as, an, as a football player, you play football your whole life, you know it's a football game. But that game, it really felt like a, like a battle, like, like, a, like, like we're modern-day gladiators, you know? And uh, you know, it was a rush. It was it was a very, very exhilarating. Unfortunately, we weren't able to to win because if we won, it would have been that much better. But um, after the game, I took off my helmet because my helmet was on the whole time. Yeah. From the from start to finish. Yeah. Halftime it was on. When I took it off, my face was torn up. You know, and I just all you can do is laugh because yeah. you 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 overcame what people thought you wouldn't. So yeah. God God is good. I'm blessed. You know for sure. Yeah, man, I, we were we were thinking about you. I'm, I'm really glad you were all right. And, um, you know, I, I seriously hats off for taking the field because I'm putting myself in your shoes and I've never been through something like that. You know, we're used to playing with injuries like, you know, MCL, shoulder, whatever. But that's a different deal, bro. That'd Thanks, be scary. Buddy. Yeah, man. No, really, for, for real. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. yeah, for real. It's inspiring, man. It's just, uh, you know, I'm just glad that we were able to use this uh, platform to help others, you know, it was so many uh, DMs and uh, just texts that I got from burnt victims that were scared to show, and they showed because I showed. So, whatever it takes, you know, we're, at the That's end dope. of the day, we're human beings together. Yeah, yeah. That's we're really all dope. in this together. That's dope, man. That yeah, dope. no, for real, dude. Thank you for talking about it. Hey, last thing I got for David and Joku here in front of this beautiful Toyota. Which I think you could jump Mine's over. Yeah, it's yours. For real? No, Puka tried to drive it off the lot, bro. What 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 can I do to Oh Toyota it? folks, uh -oh. what can he do? What can he do? <laughs> Toyota, talk to me. Off the lot. No, but for real, Toyota, um, what can I do to take this car? Like seriously. <laughs> she's she's Who like on her phone. Like she's like, uh, she doesn't even care. No. Toyota, what are we doing to get David and Joku this? Is there, a name? Is there a name that we know? That works at Toyota? There. <laughs> Toyota. 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 We're just going with Toyota. Like this guy. David, thank you for the time, bro. Appreciate you and good thank luck. Thank you, guys. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Yeah. All right, this is the biggest dude we've had on the set. <laughs> a lot of body. He's got over. a presence. I, the, what I really want to find out is if you can fit in the Tacoma. And if he can fit in the Tacoma, anybody can. <laughs> so come check this beautiful truck out. And we've got Orlando Brown here, as well as my pops, Howie Long. Yes. A lot of football family yes. stuff here. And yeah. yeah. I think that's where I'd want to start because, you, you know, we got a lot of connections with my brother. Oh, yeah. You play with Kyle. Kyle loves you. Yeah, I love Talks Kyle. about you all the time. But, you know, you guys were able to connect on the shared experience of having some pressure on you. And yeah. And coming from an NFL family, what's that been like? How's it shaped your experience? Yeah, uh, it's, it's had a huge shape, you know, because you understand, man, your dad was a great player in this league. And when the standard is that high and the shoes are that big um, in terms of 
the way that you approach the game, it has to be so much different, you know, because you got to go be better than this guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's really hard. It's, it's hard so to hard. get there. <laughs> it's even harder to maintain it and be better, yes. you know. And so uh, the stress that that created, uh, I, found a, I found a lot of peace in that. It really helped me become the player that I am today. It's a lot of our talks with me and Kyle sharing those type of thoughts and moments, man, because, you know, it, it's, it's hard. You know, it's hard to, to maintain the expectation and standard. But, you know, you get the job done. It is what it is. So you end up in Cincy this year. Yep. You go from one great quarterback to another one. What are the differences and similarities that, that make Joe and Patrick who they are? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of similarities, man, when you have a quarterback that's a great leader, um, that's obviously so important. You know, when you've got uh, the quarterback that knows how to relate to the guys in the building, relate to the men in the room, uh, those are so important. And those are the qualities that they share. Um, you know, where they differentiate, I would say uh, Pat's got, you know, somewhat of that Michael Jordan-like effect in terms of the way that he approaches the game, you yeah. know, and, and how intense every single moment is with him as a football player on the practice field or in the meeting room you know what I mean he's very 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 in tune and in the moment you can say and then um, I really always appreciate uh, the thing about Joe Joe Shiesty is I really appreciate uh, how emotional he is in the moment and yeah. it's never it's never too high it's never too low it's always on time yeah. and you know I, I think about the moment where he uh, calls a draw play he checks to a draw play against San Francisco he goes and slides gets the first down gets up beating his helmet y'all can't mess with me the whole yeah. deal you know what I mean and and those type of things we feed off of that as a team and even in our losses uh we lost to Tennessee this year he's the first guy to speak up in the locker room before the coaches and everything and so uh that's the thing that I really appreciate about Joe man is just his emotional timing dad if we had to rush Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow I think we'd, we'd rush him way different yeah they don't oh, be, be totally, totally because different. Of the way they move in the pocket. Yeah, and and I, you know, Elway would be a guy that yeah. probably was similar, but I think he'd be a problem in today's, in today's game. game. He'd be a guy that would translate really well. Yeah. The question I have for you is, and I yeah. and and I I don't have that perspective. I've talked to Kyle a little bit about it, but when you're protecting Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, yeah, you know, you have a lot of pressure on you anyway in the oh, position yeah. that you're playing. Yep. How much more added pressure is it when you've got to protect Patrick Mahomes and your guy? Yeah, so much added pressure, man. Uh, you know, you it, don't want to be the guy. You don't want to be the guy. You don't want to be the guy. And, you know, even more so nowadays with social media, I mean, you know, back when you played, it yeah. wasn't necessarily yeah. social media. So, yeah. you know, your mistakes were maybe not as magnified. Oh, they're magnified. So yeah. They're magnified. Everybody has an opinion and they're owed that. And There's so, 3,000 shows on during the week. Yeah, exactly. And we're so, part of the problem here. Yeah, <laughs> we are. But it is hard. It's hard. It you know, like even when I got in the league, there was no. There wasn't as much depth of analysis yeah. available to everybody. Yeah. And, you know, with that comes some responsibility. I think what's frustrating about probably being an offensive lineman is sometimes we don't know what your assignments are. Yep. And we don't know what the play is. And we don't know really. A lot of times y'all get blamed for a sack, but somebody's bailing to 10 yards. Yeah. And you get blown up that way and that yep. sort of thing. So Or, or you know, and I, and I see it as a defensive lineman. I see quarterback could easily just step up. Yep. Yeah. Just yep. step up. Trust trust the interior of the pocket. Yep. And don't don't 
you're you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do, and you give a sack. Yeah, and you know those type of things happen. That that's part of football. You know, if I yeah. give up a sack on a screenplay, hell, it's like man, I, yeah. hate, I hate that happen. But yeah. you know, I guess the whoever the, he saw the linebacker in man coverage, he would have made right. the play, held the ball an extra second. Now we got a sack. You know, so it happens. You know, it's part of the sport. But uh, man, I just I, I feel like the added pressure of having a block for a Pat Mahomes and a Joe Burrow oh. uh, is definitely very stressful because you want to keep these guys clean, no matter who's your who your quarterback is. But yeah, your but quarterback's worth half a million, half a billion dollars. I think it's. I, I would think it would be definitely different. Oh yeah. With those two guys, and Kyle says. Mahomes is the closest thing he's seen to Michael Jordan. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I use the same example, man. I just – I feel like when – like, Pat's approach to the game is so unique and it's so consistent, um, it, you you have to give him that. You know, I mean, what is it, six straight AFC championships? Yeah. I mean – that's so hard to do. You know what I mean? It's so hard to even get into the playoffs, let alone make six straight AFC every year, every single year. And, you know, you, we can say, oh, he plays on a great team, all this stuff. Very true. Uh, great coaching staff, Coach Reed. But, I mean, man, I mean, Pat is that engine. You know, you take him off that football team, uh, you know, I don't I don't know. You know, it was interesting because when we look at it, San Francisco, we were talking about it a little bit. Seven weeks ago, if you asked me who's the team you trust the most, yeah, I'd say San Francisco. Yep. Who's the team, one of the team, top teams that you don't trust? Seven weeks ago, it's Kansas City. Yep. It's drops, it's tackle play, it's, yep. you know, whatever it is. Yep. Drop balls, missed assignments, penalties, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of flipped a lot, yep. you know, where San Francisco suddenly on defense, seven weeks ago, they're 90 yards a game, 185, I think, last week versus Detroit. Oh, wow. uh, and I think what I saw at the end of the year is, we talk about the the mental and physical strain of being in the championship game every year, yeah. going to the Super Bowl that many times. Look at the Eagles just yeah. on one one year where they got to get back. I mean, yeah. they fell apart at the end of the yeah. year. Right, yeah. and, I, and I the one thing I looked at, I'll take Travis, for example. You know, you get up there a little bit that week off. They held him on in week 18. Yep. He looks so energized and yep. different in the playoffs. Now, I don't know whether that's a byproduct of the playoffs yeah. or getting that week off. Yeah. I, I, I want to say, you know, and, and you've been around the game, so you know, in, in the sport, you never want to peak too early. You know what I mean? You always want to peak at the right times. We and, kept waiting for them to peak, though. Yeah, we were. And so I feel like it's happening. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and at, what the right they, at the right time. Yeah. And, and we saw it against Baltimore in the AFC Championship, man. I mean, that, the way that that Kansas City Chief team played in that game, I mean, that's huge. Kyle, Chris was dying on that hill. Oh, I was dying on that He was dying on that hill. All year. I say, they're going to be there. They're going to be there. They're going to be there. And people were just killing it. I had to sit there taking shit from everybody. My friends, co-hosts, they were all like, you idiot. And, you know, I watched the Raiders game, and I'm like, guys, guys, just wait. But I think there's something to having that untold advantage of being able to improve through a year because you have that coach and you have that quarterback. And he's going to get guys on the same page. Exactly. MVS drops the ball yep. uh, against the Eagles. Yep. He gets up at the podium and he blames himself. Yep. He said, I could put that ball a little bit out in front of him. Mm -hmm. And then he does it on third and nine to beat the Ravens. Yep. You know, and the thing so it's is, like, uh, the that's thing, exactly the, the what thing, it is. The thing that was frustrating and, you know, having the perspective of Kyle having played with him for a year and, and saying, you know, when your best guys – are your best player. Yeah, yep. It, it, it yep. makes a huge difference in the locker room. Patrick always, I don't know whether it's a byproduct of being around Andy yeah. or having a dad that played pro baseball or what. He had the one week where he got frustrated with the officiating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. people just they killed him. Yeah, they killed did. Him. They I did. was like, did he just 
What did he just do? What did he yeah. do? I, like, what was that? He had a yeah. moment. Yeah, the thing I would say about Pat that a lot of people don't know is uh, he, he really studies, like, he studies the position. Like, he studies the Roger Staubachs, like, their their mental makeup and, and what it what what makes the, what made him such a great quarterback, what made John Elway such a great quarterback, yeah. you know what I mean? What made Joe Montana so good? And he yeah. asks those questions and he talks about those things. And so because of that, that allows him to really maximize, you know what I mean, who he is as a, as a pro and a quarterback to be able to lead guys in that locker room. So let's talk about let's talk about the the, the players in this game because you yeah. played against all these guys. Oh yeah, some really great defensive linemen. But I yeah. think when you talked about you know San Francisco and giving up a lot more on the ground in the playoffs, I think yeah. part of it is a game script. Yeah, you know teams jump them, and if you jump the Niners, you can run the ball on them. Yeah, because they're going to try to stop the the run with a light box, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. They so are. and I thought. You guys jumped them in San Francisco. I thought that was one of the most complete games I saw any offense play this year. Yeah, yeah, man. We like, had, what's the key? We had a really good plan. And so we, we also matched up really well with personnel. Like, I'm trapping the hell out of Eric Armstead. Uh, you know what I mean? We're running tackle traps. Big on big. Yeah, hell yeah, man. It's like we, we matched up really well in terms of personnel. And the scheme that we were running, it was it was somewhat of a uh, old-school style of play. Tackle traps. Gap scheme. Gap scheme yep. stuff. Yep. Um, not, not much zone uh, in the past game. Uh, making sure that we're giving them proper time and then really taking advantage of them in that in that low red zone area. Uh, you know, I think we had a really good plan going into it, man. What what it was, um, man, hard to say. I just I, I feel like we, we we played our asses off. We were really focused that week, one of our best weeks of practices all year. Uh, we had a healthy uh, Joe Burrow. And something else you got to do as a quarterback, you got to be able to scramble against this defense. Yes. And if you can if you can improvise, if you can scramble and get those first downs on extend. third and extend those plays. Yeah. Great Great things are going to happen. And another thing is that if you have one more dynamic pass catcher than they have cover, cover yeah, guys, yeah. which you guys give that problem to a lot of people. Oh, big time. We'll see what happens with T in the offseason. But just having that that second and third guy, yep. they're not that deep outside. Yeah. You know, and, and they don't travel their corners. Yep. So you can get the matchups you want with motion. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. I agree. I agree. I think, you know, we were kind of able to take advantage of that stuff because, like you said, uh, we, we got a three-headed monster. You yeah. What of a four-headed monster with Joe Mix, man. So, um, I mean, we got a lot of players on the field. It's really hard for them to match up, know what's coming. And then we're trapping the hell out of you. We got a lot of motions. We got a quarterback scrambling on third and eight, getting a first down, staying on the field, extending plays, improvising, first downs out the ass, outside the numbers. It was just. Just like exactly. this. Yeah, exactly. It yeah. was just chunks. Yep, man. exactly. And we stayed out of what's important, too, when you're dealing with this type of pass rush and this type of scheme, you do not want to be in third and third and five, yes, third no, and eight. No. You don't. You want to be in third and three, third and two, staying ahead of the chains. And I yeah. think the way that Coach Reed's been calling these games with the way they're using Isaiah Pacheco, um, you know, I know Pat's going to be giving his all, so I'm sure he'll scramble for a few first downs. I like yeah. him. I like him this I'm Me sure too. you do, too. Me too, yeah. I, I, you, know, I, you know what I find interesting about Patrick, and you maybe you can speak to this, when he had Tyreek, when Tyreek was at the peak, yep. there's a lot of explosive plays. Mm -hmm. Then people went shell, mm -hmm. and they said, you know, we're going to force you to go eight, nine, ten plays. Yep. Early on in that process, Patrick looked like he was eating beets. Yeah. Taking man. the check down. Yeah. Or making the short, the short throw. Yeah. Then he kind of, as the year went on, he started buying in. Yep. And then Tyreek left. 
yep. and the offense changed. Patrick has evolved to he's been three different kinds of quarterbacks. Yes, yes. And that's that's what great players do. You know, like we, we talk about you. That's what you did. You know what I mean? As the game translated into maybe a little bit more of a pass heavy style of play, better quarterbacks, you know, for the time yep. when you played, yep. you were able to, you know, transition into, move you know, inside, move outside, outside, all of that type of yeah. stuff like that's that's important. And so, uh, man, I think that's what Coach Reed and Pat done, did a great job of, man, is really just uh, implementing their own style of play within the game. You know what I mean? Now you got Coach Reed calling, what, 30-something runs? I don't know if we ever did that. Here, here's another big guy question. Yep. What are you guys thinking at tackle when Chris Jones walks out there? Oh, man. Oh, my gosh, man. I Like, so, you know, I was there. My first year in uh, Kansas City was the first year that they, you know, were practicing him outside. Kicked it's, him outside. Kicked him outside. And so all training camp, I'm seeing Chris Jones every day. And uh, I'm like, which is man, totally different. Oh my God, he's different than any. He's, I, I don't know how he does what he does. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a unique style because he kind of rushes with his head out of it, upright, and he doesn't lean. So, so and suddenly you get. Yes, it's so it's so many different things. Like when I when I play against him, uh, even this year, like there was a few reps, bro. Once I get my hands on him, I'm trying to snatch his ass to the ground. I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and try to wrestle and 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 titty bump this guy. Like there is no he, he's too strong, he's too big. I, I'm I'm gonna try to wrestle him soon and, and and get his momentum going in a certain direction and kind of go from there. But he rushes with his head out and his hands are so quick and accurate. He's strong as hell and then his shoulder pads are loose as shit. It's like God. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, man. It's like I, I don't know, man. He's like, it's like he's so big, quick man. off the ball, he too. Is. He running is. upright. Yeah, he is. Yeah. He is, man. It's it's interesting. He's he's got a good speed rush too. So yeah. the the ins, you know, I always say to Kyle, stay inside out. Oh yeah, oh yeah, big stay time. inside out. I don't know that inside out necessarily applies. Chris Jones. I agree. I agree because uh, there's times that you stay too inside out, he's going to just attack the outside via the neck and shoulder and press, and press you and pry you open and take the edge with power. And then there's other times where you get too far outside, shit, he's double swiping you and already on the quarterback's toes. Can so, you jump set him out there? I, I mean, you can try it, but I normally, I'm not a guy like if, if I see a D tackle, yeah, you can't miss. If, if I see a D tackle coming to rush me outside, I'm not, I'm not jumping you yeah. because I just feel like I don't know. I feel like something about that plays into their style yeah, of play. Yeah, yeah. They like, want to be in the phone booth. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. So I, I like I, I don't like that. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I normally I'll just take my normal sets and just kind of play with it from there, man. But I, I don't. The inside out technique is is uh, definitely something you got to change. Okay. Stay inside Stay inside out. Inside out. Yeah. Right. All right, man. Orlando Brown. Good appreciate to see you, man. the time, dude. Too. Appreciate it. Appreciate you guys. I'm gonna fight you with my friends.